Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. All right, all that being said, open up your Bibles, please, to Galatians chapter 5. Um, we're going to continue our sermon series that we have been in uh, since Easter Sunday. We've been doing this series called Activate. Remember, we showed that painfully awkward video from the, the TV show Family Feud. Some of you have seen it going around on like TikTok and other, other things like that, that Holy Spirit Activate video. Maybe you've seen that, maybe you haven't. Uh, go look it up, it's great. And then everyone's doing these dances to it and stuff like that now. But, but the core thing we're getting at, and it was really cool about that video in the moment, is there was a, a moment of need and, and someone was saying, Holy Spirit, Activate. There's a recognition that, like, there's something I can't do on my own, and I need the power of God through the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit to, to help me uh, activate his power and, and his life in my life. And so we've been unpacking, okay, that's like how it played out on Family Feud. But what does the Bible really say about the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? What's his role in our life? So we've been going through this for a few weeks. We just talked about Jesus and the Holy Spirit, how Jesus in his earthly ministry, he didn't do anything out of his divine power. He, even though he was fully God, fully man, he did everything he did in his ministry through his spirit-empowered Humanity. So the things Jesus did, he did through the power of the Holy Spirit, which means that you and I can do these things in the power of the Holy Spirit. Sounds weird, but that's what the Bible teaches. And then we talked about what it means to be sanctified, to be set apart, to be like Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then last week for Mother's Day, we talked about women in the Holy Spirit. My friend Anna Schumann was with us. How many of you enjoyed Anna's uh, message last week? It was really great. Uh, and, and Anna talked to us about uh, leveling the playing field. And, and the Holy Spirit is this great equalizer uh, who, who has made a way for both men and women, young and old, no matter what your background, the Holy Spirit is the great equalizer who unites us all and gives us equal access to God and equal access to calling and to look for the spaces for people that, are, that, are, that need space to walk in their calling as the Holy Spirit is bringing them to, to, to us. And today we're just going to continue this series by talking about life in the Holy Spirit. Life in the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to live your life in the Holy Spirit? Not just consulting the Holy Spirit once in a while, not just hanging out with the Holy Spirit on Sundays, but what does it mean to live your life in the Holy Spirit? Um, I, I like to think about it like this. How many of you use Siri like it's your job? Anyone like to use Siri? Um, no, to one person? Am I just weird then? You guys don't use Siri? I'm constantly like, hey, Siri, what time is it? <laughs> See, she's not even responding to me. Hey, Siri, what time is it? So this is perfect because it illustrates my point exactly. Siri does not want to help me. I don't know if it's the timber of my voice. I don't know if it's the way I say things, the words I use. But like 50 to 75% of the time, Siri just doesn't work for me. You ever have that happen? This, I feel like this happens a lot. You ever have autocorrect or speech text kind of take over and it sends text that you really did not want to send? 
I just sent one to, to Lindsay and Steve, who's our worship coordinator at our, our Mawa campus the other uh, week. I was inviting them, talking about the worship night uh, this Friday. I was like, hey, invite your teams to, to come out. I was like, bring your teams out or something like that. And then I think Steve responded, and I'm driving in my car and Siri's reading the text back to me. And Steve says, yeah, I'll bring my teeth. Ha ha. And so I look at the text later and I had sent, bring your teeth to the worship night. So, you know, Siri can be helpful sometimes. I'm really bad at math, uh, and so it can give me problem solving there. Uh, sometimes it sets a timer for me. I love to do this thing. My wife just got a, her first smartphone for Christmas. Like, she's been on the dumb phone for years. I know, your jaws dropped. She just, she like resisted for forever. And now since they're getting rid of 3G, like she has to get an iPhone. Like she, does, she has to get a smartphone. It's insane. So she did it with protest, but she loves to use Siri to set timers, like when she's cooking and stuff. So she'll, she'll be like, hey, Siri, set a timer for 15 minutes. And then I love to jump in and go, and one second. And do, that's ah, what I do for fun. That's what I do for fun. My life's dull, guys. I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. Um, but it, Siri can be really helpful for that kind of stuff. But then it sends these terrible texts with autocorrect and speech text. It's like, no, I know I heard you say teams, but I think you meant teeth. So I'm going to send that instead. And so Siri just has this like long history of doing terrible things like that. But what if you had an assistant that never failed? What if you had an assistant that never failed, never gave bad advice, was way smarter than you, loved you deeply, and always had your best interests in mind? What if it was more than a personal assistant? What if it was actually someone who wasn't just going to help you do what you wanted, but was not going to let you do the dumb stuff that you thought was a good idea? What if it was someone that goes, I love you too much to let you go down that road, so please hear me when I say, do this instead, or just don't do that, right? Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great? And I'm not even talking about like really bad, horrible things, those two, but sometimes they're just everyday things where, man, I need wisdom for this situation in my job, and I need wisdom for how to parent my kids better, and I need wisdom for what I should do when I'm under the, feeling this, this peer pressure from some friends of mine. Uh, whatever the situation is, the Holy Spirit can be that one who's way better than a personal assistant that's always with you, always available, always right there when you say, hey, Holy Spirit, boo-boo, like Siri, right? And, and it's just always there ready to say, I'm here. I know you need wisdom. I know you need to be reminded of the Father's love. I know you need to be reminded of who you really are. I know you need my power as you're praying for healing for this person. I know you need my intervention in this crisis situation. I know you are grieving and you need comfort. What would it be like? As, as easy as we access our phones and access Siri, imagine if you believed that you could access the Holy Spirit like that, just like you access your phone. What would change in your life? Would you begin to live your life differently if you accessed the Holy Spirit and talked to the Holy Spirit and lived your life in the Holy Spirit the way we live our life, grabbing our phone or saying, hey, Siri? What would be different? What would happen? How much more clarity would you have in your purpose and your calling? How much more understanding could you have? How much more wisdom could you have if we live day by day, moment by moment with the Holy Spirit at work in our lives? Imagine leading you, comforting you, advising you, working in you, 
bringing you the fullness of life that Jesus has called you into. That's life in the Spirit. We're going to be reading a little bit through Galatians 5, not the whole chapter. Don't panic. I'm going to have you out of here in time for lunch. But we're going to go through some verses throughout chapter 5 because in chapter 5 of Galatians, Paul's talking about life in the Spirit and living a life full of the Holy Spirit. So the book of Galatians, just to give you some context before we start reading through some verses, um, the book of Galatians is one of the first books Paul wrote, and he uses some very, very strong language in Galatians. He's, he's a little bit younger. He, he can be a little bit brash at times, and he says some things that uh, kind of get sanitized in our English translations uh, that are not actually very nice. And, and so we read that, and, and, and so he's, it's very intense in a lot of ways, but, but he feels so strongly about what's happening in this church in Galatia that, that he starts using some of this uh, language. And he's not using it towards the church. He's using it towards a specific group of people, and that's, that's the context of what's happening here. They're trying to figure out how do we live life in the Spirit? How do we live this new life in Jesus And they're confused about a lot of different things. And the reason they're confused is because after Paul had left and they said, you're living in the grace of Jesus, he has done everything for you on the cross, follow him, follow his teachings, follow his commands now. After that happened, another group of teachers came in and they were called Judaizers. Can you say Judaizers? You can say Judaizers. Judaizers. I just want you to remember it. That's why I'm having you say it. Judaizers, okay, and this group of people called, I was like, oh man, is everyone like totally off? Like no one's paying attention? That's okay. Uh, These Judaizers were were people who, they basically did this. They would go into a church and said, yeah, I know Jesus saved you, and I know it's by his grace, and he did this work on the cross, but in order for you to truly be in the kingdom, there's a few other things you need to do. And they started adding to what Jesus had already accomplished. And so Paul's furious about this. And so that is why he's so enraged and and, and kind of like worked up in this letter because he cares so much about this community and he doesn't want them to be deceived into thinking they've got to put all of their their own willpower and that's what's going to save them. Because because these Judaizers are saying, well, you need to be circumcised for once. And at that time, if you weren't Jewish, you really didn't get circumcised. And so all of these non-Jewish believers were were like, we got to do that? Like, I don't want to do that. And then they had to follow dietary restrictions. They, had, they were told you can only eat certain kinds of foods and you have to stay away from these, a lot of do's and don'ts. And these rules uh, were, were being brought to them and they're saying not that these, they weren't being framed as these could be helpful for you. They're being framed as if you don't do these things, you are not actually in the kingdom of God. And so it was so little about what Jesus was doing, and it was so much about what they had to do. And Paul had to kind of reorient them, because what they were, what they were doing was they were trying to live the Christian life, the life following Jesus, in their own uh, power, in their own ability, in their own strength. Uh, Paul uses this word in his letters called the flesh. And what the flesh is, is it's just kind of a catch-all word to talk about our our sinful nature, our our kind of fundamental set of desires, our will, our emotions, all of that stuff, right? Uh, But he talks about it specifically as uh, the things in our lives that are 
broken from sin and, and set apart from God. They, they're opposed to God. That's nothing about this life is good. Nothing about this is healthy. Nothing about the flesh has our best interests in mind as, as people following Jesus. So they said, so Paul's saying, whenever you are trying to do this list of rules, follow this list of rules, you're trying to follow Jesus out of your flesh, out of your own strength, out of your own ambition, out of, out of your own ideas about what's good, what's evil, and what's not. Are you guys following me on this? So, so, when, so when Paul hears that they're, they're doing this, he's like, oh man, he's like, you're getting tripped up because you're going back to what he calls the old nature. And we're going to get into that in a second. And, and so Paul's saying, man, you can't live by the flesh. You need to live by the Spirit. Because if you live your life by the Holy Spirit, you begin to live from a completely different place. You begin to live out of a completely different reality. And it's not you that is forcing yourself to do the right thing and follow the rules. What it is, is it's the Holy Spirit teaching you. And in a relationship, you're learning how to be a different person. Think about it this way, and then we'll get into the main uh, chunk of today's message. Think about it this way. You ever have like a friend or, or someone like you really respected and you're like, man, I just want to hang out with them because I feel like I'm a better person whenever I'm with them. You know what I'm talking about? You have people like that. It could be anything. Like I respect the way they are in business. I respect the way they are. They raise their kids. Like I respect how they work out at the gym. What, all sorts of different things. So right. So you're like, okay, I want to spend time with that person. And you notice they don't do a lot of, well, do this, don't do that. Maybe sometimes. But just by being around them, you start to pick up all those positive things that you wanted to pick up, right? Are you following me? This is exactly what Paul's talking about with living life in the Holy Spirit. When you are doing life in your flesh, trying to do check all the boxes, you're going to be completely on your own, doing it in your own willpower, and, and, and you can't do it. How many of you have tried this week to just obey everything the Bible teaches? I have not obeyed everything the Bible teaches this week. I'm sure you haven't either. We've got to start being honest about this. And there's a lot of freedom in just being honest right? We don't, there's a lot of pressure that comes off when we can just be like, yeah, here's where I'm at. Here's where I'm at. But then here's the good news. We don't need to be enabled to stay there. Then we can say, Holy Spirit, I want to be near you. I want to learn from you. I want to learn how you parent children. I want to learn how you would do this kind of job that I work in. I want to learn how you would work out at the gym. I don't know. You never know. The Holy Spirit can give you all kinds of wisdom. He's smart. All right? So I want to give us an acronym today. We're going to read, look through Galatians 5, talk about life in the Spirit, and I just want you to think about the word life, L-I-F-E. We're going to talk about liberty, identity, fight, and empowerment. And I'll explain what, what I mean by each of those words. And we're just going to walk through this, and I just want to use this as a way of giving you a picture of what it means to live your life in the Holy Spirit. You ready? So let's talk about liberty. In Galatians chapter 5, right in verse 1, Paul starts it off this way. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. And then in verse 13, he says this. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. So I want you to notice something here. Being free 
is the whole point of what Jesus came to do for you. Have you ever thought about that? Has anyone ever, is that new for anyone? You can interact with me. Show of hands. Is that new? You're kind of like, really? Thinking of being, Jesus came to set you free. Look at this first one right here. So Christ has truly set us free. Another translation of this literally says, it was for freedom that Christ set you free. The whole point of this thing is for you to be free. Now here comes the question though. What does freedom mean? What does freedom mean? And this is what we mean by liberty when we're talking about the L today. And this is going to help us learn what it means to have life in the spirit. What does freedom mean? So all of us, I think, we can say safely, I think, we were all born in the United States. Is that fair? Anyone not born in the United States? Anyone born uh, outside of kind of like a Western worldview context? Most, most people, yes? Okay. So, so for most of us, not all of us in the room, but for most of us, uh, this may not be the case. But generally speaking, when we're in the West, Western civilization, when we're in the United, Spa- United States in particular, we have a very specific idea of what we mean when we say freedom. Freedom uh, has a whole set of context, background. We, we are free in this country. What? What does freedom mean? Just give me some. We can live where we want. Worship who you want. You can say whatever you want. What's that? Good. So, so there's a lot of things that we... These are all examples of what we call freedom to. You have freedom to worship how you want. You have freedom to say what you want. You have freedom to live where you want. You have freedom to live as you want. You have freedom to act as you want. That's kind of what we think of when we think of freedom, right? Okay, so here's what we got to just put our heads around. When you read freedom in the Bible, it's not talking about freedom to. It's talking about freedom from. This is a really important distinction. And as a matter of fact, it's not just the Bible that does freedom from instead of freedom to. This is the ancient worldview of freedom. You could look at Greek philosophers. You could look at Plato. You could look at Aristotle. You could look at Socrates. You can look at Buddha. You can look at uh, Hindu teachings. Freedom from was the ancient conception and, and view of freedom. And it went like this. Every religion, every philosophy, every ideology had had a bit of a different idea of what the problem was and what the solution was. But at the core of it was, there is something not right, and I need to get free from that. So even like Socrates and, and, and his schools of thought after him would say, it's not good that we do whatever we want to. Because that in and of itself proves our bondage. We're enslaved to our appetites, or our desires. That sounds like it kind of came out of the Bible, right? That was Greek philosophy. So there's, there's a lot of overlays with how ancient thinkers and ancient uh, uh, worldview, religions, different things like that. It, it would be very different with some of the Eastern thinkers in terms of what the problem is, what the solution is. Uh, it's different for all of them, but the basic idea across the ancient world was it's about free, freedom is about freedom from not freedom to. It actually, they would go so far as to say, if you believe you are free to do whatever you want, you're actually not free. You're in bondage to your desires. 
And so that's the biblical worldview that we come into. And, and this modern idea about freedom, too, is only about 500 years old. It's something that's very new on the world stage. Uh, it's come out of the Enlightenment. It's come out of a lot of Western thinking, uh, different things like that. We, we can nerd out on that all day if you want to another time over coffee. Just let me know. I'm happy to talk about it. Um, but, but when we shift away from thinking about freedom to and into freedom from, we begin to get a better sense of what's happening when we, when we read the scriptures and when we see passages like, it's for freedom that Christ set us free. In 1 John, 1 John, uh, John says this. Uh, he, he says that you were in bondage to the kingdom of darkness, but through Jesus you have been transferred into the kingdom of of God. So think about that. If you are not following Jesus, you are in bondage to the kingdom of darkness, enslaved, whatever that might mean for your situation. But freedom came when Jesus rescued you and saved you out of that kingdom and brought you and transferred you into his kingdom. Are you all following me? So this is what we're talking about when we mean liberty. When we talk about walking in the spirit, we're going to get build on this in a minute. Sin is not something that we can just save ourselves from. The, the kingdom of darkness, the old way, it's not something we can just, I can just exert enough energy, I can have my own self-discipline, my own willpower, and I'm just going to change. Sin is a state that we exist in i.e. the kingdom of darkness, that Jesus had to save us out of to bring us into freedom. Bring us into freedom. You're all with me. This is what liberty means. We are free from the bondage of sin and the old self, the flesh. We're free from that. Now, does that mean we do it perfectly all the time? No. But we are free from the bondage of it. Number two, let's talk about identity. Identity. These are all going to build on each other. So the I in life is identity. This is really about who are you? What is your motivation? What do you identify with? And not just that, who are you as a person? At the core of who you are, what is most important, most significant about you? A lot of times in the Old Testament and through the Bible, this would have a lot to do in ancient cultures with who your daddy was, or in some cultures, who your mama was. That's how you know who you are. Well, I'm the son of so-and-so. I am Andrew, the son of Philip and Michelle. That's who I am. And in the scriptures, our new identity is called to be children of God. That's who we are. But here's what Paul says as he continues about identity uh, in, in verses 19 to 21. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, pause right there. Old kingdom, kingdom of darkness, the flesh, all that. This is what Paul's talking about. When you live here, here is what we're going to see play out in your life, is what he's saying. The results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, Lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone that uh, living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
That's kind of heavy stuff from Paul. That's kind of intense. But hear what he's saying. If this is your default behavior, you have not been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That's what he's getting at here. If this is your default behavior. Now, he's not saying you made a mistake. You're in the kingdom of darkness, clearly. That's not what he's talking about. But he's saying, if you are following the desires, is what the ancients talked about, right? Being enslaved in bondage to the desires, our appetites of our, as the Bible would put it, the flesh, the old kingdom. Sin is that default setting. When you're living out of that place, here's, what's, here's the fruit that's going to show up in your life, if I can put it that way. All of these things. Sin is just our default setting in that way. Uh, it, the sinful nature rules over us if we have not been transferred from the old into the new. Okay? And, and I want you to notice this just because this is usually not talked about. Because this doesn't just have to do with being a good moral person. Uh, stuff like sexual immorality and sorcery is there listed alongside quarreling, jealousy, and envy. There's no distinction made. I want that to be very clear. That's very important for us because some of us are hearing different ones of these and being like, oh man, the pastor's piling on my specific thing here. This is, this is like, my dad would always say, my dad was a pastor and he would always say, oh, this Bible's great. It's like an equal opportunity offender. Everyone's bothered by something. It's because none of us are God and we all have problems. So, this is the default setting. So, so I want to hear, hear me when I say this. A lot of times we live with stuff from our old nature, the kingdom of darkness, this list that I just read here, because we don't know that there's actually another way we can live. Especially in our culture today, you are usually told, well, that's who you are. And I'm talking very broadly here. Like, think about this. Uh, I, I, I talk to people all the time, and I even wrestle this with my own life. People who um, are, are, maybe they just have like an outburst of rage, or they get really angry, or if someone else is mad at them, they get really angry, and they just like power up to the same level as them. You guys know what I'm talking about? And, and then it just goes in this crazy cycle, and usually I'm talking to them, and I'm asking, and one of the questions I always ask is, what was con- how was conflict handled in your family growing up? And usually the people who automatically go into passive mode grew up in families where you didn't talk about it. And, and sometimes, a lot of times, people who grew up in families where uh, they mistook intensity for intimacy, they would rage, they would get really angry, they would raise their voice at each other. They, that would be their pattern now. You guys starting to think about your own families of origin. So our families of origin are where we learn. Usually we're not taught this. Like, it just kind of happens Right, And we learned that same thing from our parents and their parents and whatever our upbringing was. And so this is like in this whole thing. And so people are like, well, I can't do anything about this anger. Like this is just how I'm from an Irish background. That's just what we do. And we have no idea that there's actually an option to live differently. And this is where the Holy Spirit wants to give you a new imagination, a sanctified imagination to say, what if there was another way I could react when someone has a conflict with me? What if there was another way that I could handle this? Some of us even have sexual appetites that we don't believe we can get out from under the control of. Some of them have have shamed us, and we don't talk about it, and we hide it in secret, and we're embarrassed, and we're like, oh my gosh, if anyone at church knew... 
Then they'd kick me out. They'd definitely kick me out. But what Jesus has made possible is the ability to, through the Spirit, to live completely differently. Not by hiding it and managing it and doing it in our own power and following a list of do's and don'ts. It's what Paul's trying to get them away from. But by coming into relationship with the one who, through relationship, changes us. And we begin, our desires begin to change the more we desire the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? Look at what's written about the new nature. Ephesians chapter 4, it says, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Did you know that what the Holy Spirit wants to give you, this new nature, is actually to be like God? You hang out with him long enough, you're probably going to become like him, right? Just like that good friend that you want to, you respect something about their life. You can be like God because of what Jesus has done. So this is why some Christians actually use the phrase born again. Some people are offended by it. It's controversial in some places. But literally, this is what it's talking about. You get a fresh start from scratch. It's like being born all over again. But not born from your family of origin with all of that stuff that goes with it. You're born from God. And instead of the the old nature holding you down in bondage, you're walking in the new nature of the Spirit. And when, when the Spirit begins to work in you in the new kingdom, you start to see stuff like this instead. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What would happen in that conflict where you used to just go into a total rage monster and someone brings that conflict and they challenge you in that way, and you find that the Holy Spirit has led you into a place where you don't get offended easily anymore. And suddenly, instead of responding with rage or anger, you're responding with patience and gentleness. You begin to see, wow, the fruit of the Spirit's at work in me. I know I'm living from a different place now. Not because I've done a better job following the rules, but because I've been with the one who changes me. Let's move quickly on as we're running low on time. Fight. This is a tricky word, but listen, I wanted to use the acronym LIFE, so we're sticking with it. But here's what I mean when I say this. When I mean fight, it's probably the worst word to use because it implies I'm using my own strength. And that's the opposite of what we're doing here. We're actually laying down our strength. That's how we fight in his kingdom. When I mean fight, I mean that we we are working with the Holy Spirit to live in the new nature. We're living in in a new self. Now, uh, the Bible obviously teaches and we believe that Jesus, it's only by grace that we're saved. There's nothing we can do to earn this life. Nothing we can do to earn being transferred from one kingdom into another. Nothing we can do. But once we are there, we are called to daily surrender, to daily lay down our lives, to work with the Holy Spirit in moving forward and transforming our lives. I love what Dallas Willard says. He says, uh, grace isn't opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. 
So we don't earn it, but there is effort involved. So Paul says in verse 24 this, he says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Our fight to live in the new nature of the spirit comes down to one thing, death to ourself. Death to self. This is one of the most critical things that we we could grasp out of anything that I tell you today or that you walk away with. Our old self can't just be managed. Our old self can't just be ignored. Our old self can't just be uh, forced into more discipline. It can't be buried in hope no one finds it. Our old self needs to die. That's the only solution. There can't be two of you living, the old self and the new self. The old self must die. The old self must die. Jesus paid for your sinful nature on the cross, and we are called then to take up our cross and follow him, to daily die to ourself, to die to our selfish ambition, to die to our desires that come from the flesh, to die to my wanting to get that word in the last word in the argument, dying to all of that. How many of you are like, not that one? I love my zingers. Jesus, listen to me, Jesus paid for your sinful nature, including those zingers that you love to get in on people. Jesus paid for your sinful nature, including your sexual appetite. Jesus paid for everything, including the drinking that you can't seem to get under control. Jesus paid for everything that is manifesting from your old nature, and he wants you to crucify that old nature with him. We want to follow the Spirit. We want to do life in the Spirit. We want to listen to the Spirit. But here's the thing. When we aren't experiencing the life of the Spirit, it's because we are not surrendering our old life and letting it die on the cross. Life in the Spirit comes through the death of the cross. We're going to come back to that in just a minute. All three of these, liberty, identity, and the fight of dying to self, laying down our life to the cross, it leads us to this, empowered. Since we are living by the Spirit, Paul finishes this chapter out. He says, since we're living by the Spirit, since we don't live this life anymore, since we're trying to live life with the Holy Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. What would it look like for you, like Siri? What would it look like for you to go to the Holy Spirit in every part of your life? To listen to the Holy Spirit in every part of your life? To be led by the Holy Spirit in every part of our lives? That in and of itself is death to self. Because I think I've got some pretty good ideas. When you live in the empowerment of the Spirit, it means that we know we are free from sin. It means we know that we are living in this new nature and that we have put this old self to death. Pastor A.B. Simpson who's the founder of our denomination, the Christian and Missionary Alliance. He, He said this. He said, we may have the brightest intellectual life, the most unblemished moral character, and the most amiable qualities of disposition, and yet without the new life of the Holy Spirit in our heart, we can no more enter heaven than the lovely canary that sings in our window can, can become a member of our family, or the gentle lamb that our children play with can sit down at our table and share our domestic fellowship and enjoyment. 
It belongs to a different world, and nothing but a new nature and human heart could bring it into fellowship with our human life. Folks, it comes down to this. Some of you, I've done this too, some of you have been trying to live the Christian life by just, I'm going to be as good of a person as I can be. But the reality is, is you're still living in the kingdom of darkness. You haven't put any of that to death. You haven't said yes to Jesus in this way that Simpson's describing. You have to be totally given a new nature through the Spirit. None of our old natures are good enough. We need a Holy Spirit renewed nature. Something that's otherworldly almost. Because it is, it's from heaven. It's born of God, it's not something we can produce. You know, in the, the Bible, the, the word in the Old Testament and the New Testament that gets used for spirit, it's actually the same word for wind or breath. Did you know that? Wind or breath. And actually, so whenever, when, when God breathes into humans, when he creates humans, it's the same word. The spirit is filling them. And when the new creation comes, when, when Jesus says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, he actually breathes on his disciples, it says. There's something about this. Really, the point is, is it sounds weird, we wouldn't breathe on each other nowadays, right? That, that would seem strange to us. But here's the point. We are called into a dependence upon the Holy Spirit in the same way we are called to depend on oxygen. That's what he's getting at. That's what the scriptures mean. That's what Simpson's even getting at when he says, man, we, we can't just kind of like manage to get through. We need something new. That old thing needs to die so we can have something fresh. So I'm just going to crash land our message this morning. Um, we have this cross here this morning. And, and what we're going to do is I want you to take time during our song of worship as we close here. There's going to be space for you to think about what needs to die. What needs to die in your life? This isn't a shame thing. This isn't an embarrassment thing. This isn't a condemnation thing. The Holy Spirit comes to convict of sin, but here's why he does it. He convicts of sin because he's like, man, I've got something so much better for you. So much better than what a personal assistant can give you. I know you better than you know yourself. And so what are the things even right now that the Holy Spirit might be bringing to mind? No one's going to read these later, what we're about to do, but this is all just between you and God, but as a symbolic act of, I'm done. I'm done living that life. I'm not even going to try and, I haven't walked in that way in a while, but honestly, I've just been managing it. I've just been kind of like trying to keep it under wraps so it doesn't explode. I, I want to put that part of my life to death. I, I need to do that right now. So Whatever that might be, you can take time to pray, ask God what that might be, but up here in the front, we've got some little note cards, some pens. You can write whatever that is. Fold it up. We've got some hammers, nails. Hammer that in here as a symbolic act of this is dying right here on the cross with Jesus, and I'm not picking it up again. And then if you need prayer for whatever you do here, or if you just want prayer in general... We'll be here in the front. Just kind of come up and you can find space in the front and someone can pray with you. 
Or if you want to pray with someone sitting next to you, you can do that as well. But during this song of worship, would you just I feel like God has laid stuff on some of your hearts to just follow him in a new way, to live life in the spirit, not live life out of your old self. If you're anything like me, which you are because you're human, you don't have what it takes to live this life with Jesus on your own. And so I just want to encourage you to receive everything the Holy Spirit has for you this morning. So as you're ready, note cards, pens are here, hammers, nails. Do that during this song of worship. having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.